I don't know what your future is. But if you're willing to take the harder way, the more complicated one, the one with more failures at first than successes, the one that has ultimately proven to have more meaning, more victory, more glory, then you will not regret it. Now, this is your time. <laughs> the light of new realization shines on you today. Howard's legacy is not wrapped up in the money that you will make, but the challenges that you choose to confront. As you commence to your past, press on with pride and press on with purpose. God bless you. I love you, Howard. Howard forever. What is up, everyone? It is Bryant, the theological giant, here again, ready to deliver to you all another episode of the City Image Podcast. Um, thankful to be here. Thankful for all of you listening to the sound of my voice. Got some great co-host with me surprise guest but i don't want to jump ahead hey varlene the wild thornberry good to see you always a joy but who else we got wait hold up we wait. got my man even my what's going on this is robeson aka robe do or do not there is no try Ooh. <laughs> I felt convicted in my spirit. Mm. <laughs> he said, you said, get it done. It's Word. No I love that. <laughs> I love that, man. You want to just um, give a brief little bio, who you are, man? Yeah, 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 for sure, man. Uh, you know, I'm a longtime fan of the City Image podcast. Okay. <laughs> you know, longtime fan. Um, I've been, I've known uh, Barlene, a.k.a. the Wild Thornberry for a minute now, probably like over 10 years we go back. And I go to I go to church out in Long Island, Freedom Chapel Sheep Gate. I'm a financial advisor. You know, um, nice. Uh, avid uh, soccer player, hip hop fan, et cetera, Ooh. et cetera. Yeah, what's your team? My team uh, in the Premier League, Arsenal, okay. Arsenal FC. And yeah. La Liga, my second team is Barcelona. Okay. Barcelona. Do you mess with American soccer or no? If you see my shirt, Oh, they can't see my shirt on the podcast. But oh. I used to work for the New York Red Bulls, so that's my, uh, oh, that's my thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, like they had like Thierry Henry at one point, right? Yep, yep, that's my guy. Yeah, yeah, Thierry Henry is my guy, yeah. Oh, okay, you know him personally? No, I don't know, I don't know him personally. I wish I knew oh, okay, him. okay, okay, okay. He played, he, played, he played for Arsenal yeah. in England, you know what I'm saying? Then he came here, you know? Okay. Yeah, man, I... I I love the sport of soccer so much. I really appreciate the sport of soccer, but I wish I could just watch it a lot more. Americans don't really do a good job of keeping up with this. So I end up just being uh, someone that watches it every four years during the World Cup, which like most Americans. But yeah. the sport is so good, man. I'm asking all these like really basic questions. But do right. you, are you like African American? Do you have some like? Uh, yeah, my parents are from Haiti, so I'm Haitian American. Oh, okay. Hey. <laughs> you know we have the Haitian flavor. And what I what I what I found is that if you like soccer, you're probably not like African American. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 y
anything. No shade, though. Yeah. No shade, though. We <laughs> no love shade. all black people. Oh, we do. We do. Love everybody. <laughs> I feel yeah. like the I feel like the Trinidadian American in me is what is what likes. <laughs> yeah. like if I was just straight up like black. American black, I don't know if I would nah, care probably, for probably it. not. Good. Either way, I'm looking forward to your thoughts and what you have to share, bro. Mm, excited, man. Um, and it's unfortunate. Like, I wish that we had like brighter things to talk about this episode, but we really wanted to just touch on just the life and uh, legacy of Chadwick Bozeman. We're recording this literally the morning after news broke that he passed away from a four-year fight with colon cancer. And that's hitting us all very, very heavy. And then after that, we also wanted to touch on the situation with Jacob Blake. And of course, that being just a very heavy topic in itself. So heavy topics, but hopefully there's some encouragement, some wisdom that can come out of this. Stay tuned. Keep it locked. This is the City Image Podcast. What is up, family? It's Brian, the Theological Giant. I just want to thank all of you for listening to the City Image Podcast. Your continued support gives us the ability to produce faith-based content that is relevant to the urban context. If you haven't already, subscribe to City Image so that you won't miss any of our episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast on every major platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast helps us grow our audience. Also, if you've been blessed by our work, please consider sharing our content with friends and on social media. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The City Image and make sure to like the City Image Facebook page as well. Lastly, feel free to email any feedback, thoughts, and comments on any of our episodes at cityimagepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you and enjoy the episode. All right. Welcome back to City Image. Glad you are all here with us listening. Wanted to obviously talk about Chadwick Bozeman and his legacy. How'd you feel, man, when you heard the news that the legend himself was no longer with us? Yeah, I was shocked. I was shocked. I yeah. didn't know he had colon cancer. Nobody knew he had colon cancer. Uh, yeah. You know, no. 43. And the first thing... That, was, that really came to my mind was, obviously people know him from, uh, he's most famous for playing the Black Panther. Yeah. Um, but it was like, because of his role in the first movie, he was just building a truly like African franchise, movie franchise. He was just yeah. like, in, starting to establish a truly African movie franchise because there would have been sequels and so on after that. Oh yeah. And now it's, now it's he's gone and he played that role of mm-hmm. Black Panthers. It's almost like I'm even I'm nervous to see is, is the franchise going to be able to survive this because it would be such mm-hmm. a shame if it couldn't because he was part of something that was much more it wasn't just an African American thing it was a truly African thing that he was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it's, it was really sad to hear. I just heard about it last night and my cousin literally called me and was like, "Yo, someone died." And I'm like, "Who?" She's like, "Chadwick Boseman." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh." But there was, I kind of, I was on to him being sick because when he came out with that 42 Instagram video, he looked yeah. mm-hmm. really small. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, some people was, really started. So it's crazy. It, as early as, I think, early 2019, he was at some award show and he started to just look skinnier. 
And there was all these comments on his Instagram. Like, hey, man, yo, man. People didn't know he was sick at the time. And people were like, come on, man, get back to that thick T'Challa that we know, you know, that muscular T'Challa, all these yeah. people making all these jokes. And that's a, that's an entire di- entirely different story altogether, all these comments. But but to, to your point, Varlene, like he just started to lose weight. And then it really got shocking when that video came out. Yeah, so that was pretty much like, I was onto it. And because I work with cancer patients, it wasn't shocking to find that he was struggling with or battling colon cancer. But nevertheless, he was, I think he was very good at really staying strong the whole four years, the whole four years that he was battling colon cancer. And I think that's just a testament to his character as a person and just the struggle of the black men to always stay strong through everything, no matter what. I think that's just a black plight, period. Yeah. And he recorded, like I was looking at that Instagram message at the end where he filmed so many films during this four years of battling cancer. And again, I think that's just an, a testament to his character yeah. and, who, and and the fact that he knew his mission, right? Like he knew his purpose and he didn't let even cancer get in the way of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that although this is a sad moment, we can really be proud of him for all that he's done while battling colon cancer. I mean, he stayed strong and, and I'm sure he had went through a lot of weak moments through that time, but he was able yeah. to do it in his own way that he wanted to do it. You get what I'm And I, I think that's also very telling of his character, of him knowing his limitations and knowing that he didn't want anybody to, he didn't want the public to know about it, but he handled his weaknesses in his own way. And so I just think that all around, it just shows how whole of a person he was and why he was able to come through those characters that he played so well because his own character just came through those characters that he was playing yeah so good i agree everything you guys said my initial reaction man i was just like overwhelmed bro uh i'm just like 2020 you need to stop but it's not gonna stop we we just in august right now i'm like <laughs> I, yeah. I, I've had enough. I feel like I've had an entire decade's worth, like from 2020 to 2030, <laughs> all yeah. like a, a decade's worth of Compressed. pain just happening in seven, eight months. It's just wild. I was shocked. It's like everybody else. I knew that obviously there were there were questions. I didn't know, but there were questions surrounding was he okay? Because we started seeing pictures of him, videos of him this year. But then also to his profession, sometimes calls for actors to lose weight and when they take on movie roles. So another thing was we were questioning, okay, maybe he's losing weight for a particular role. There were all these questions and nobody came to any kind of crazy conclusions. And then all of a sudden we just get hit with this and it's just devastating. All in the midst of still reeling over Jacob Blake and still social distancing and still Kobe Bryant died earlier this year, John Lewis, Pop Smoke, (laughs) everybody that we lost, that we cared for. It just goes on and on. And yeah, it was very heartbreaking. It was, it was hurt. It it was hurtful, man. And 
I appreciate the fact that he kept it silent because I think oftentimes we just know so much about celebrities all the time. It's unhealthy. So it was good to see something like this be kept private. And I understand why he did it to a certain extent. Obviously, I'm not in his shoes. So there's a respect. Like, you can't ever ask anyone to, like, share something intimate they, like this if they want to keep it private. But there is a part of me that I wish I knew. I wish I knew beforehand. I would. I wish I could have, in some way, stood in solidarity with this brother, prayed for him, lifted him up. And I don't know if that would have changed anything. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe God answers prayers. And I'm sure he had, he was a Christian. So I'm sure he had the appropriate people around him praying for him. People knew, the general public didn't know. But it's just hard to just be blindsided by this out out of nowhere. There's a part of me that's, if we at least knew he was sick, I could have prepared my heart for it a little more. I could have just, if if this was going to end up happening, like I could have dealt, it would have still hurt knowing he passed away, but at least I could have had some sort of preparation that this was coming. It's just everything's going on and we get blindsided by this. But again, I respect the, the family's decision to keep it private. Yeah, for sure, man. Sure, it's it's heavy, man. It's heavy. Man, life is so fragile. But to your point, though, you can't speculate too much on Black Panther. I, I think that the franchise will survive. Honestly, I, I'm at the point right now where I'm just like, I don't even, I don't even know if I want to see anybody else play that right. role. Yeah, <laughs> because he did it so well and it was so iconic that I don't know if I'm ready to see anybody else step into it. If they have to recast, they'll recast. If they'll, in the comic books, Shuri, his sister, becomes a Black Panther, yeah. they may just go that route and just make her the next hey, Black Panther. That would be so <laughs> Yeah. It's time for the Black woman to be lead. <laughs> and so the reality is that the, the the franchise is so popular. And Marvel, just in general, just every yeah. movie they make is so high quality and makes so much money that it'll survive but it, it it was it's just frustrating because obviously like you said he was just building that franchise he was just uh, it was just coming in and, and I, I do think as a black man in particular you do want to have images of hey i'm a king i'm uh, royalty i'm not just a thug or i'm not a thug i'm not i'm not uh just beholden to roles that portray me in a particular way and that was just something that was so illustrious about his career you I mean you think about he portrayed jackie robinson he portrayed james brown thurgood marshall king t'challa who's a fictional character but obviously yeah. represents so much positivity and so much strength in the community that he his roles the the roles that he's known for are just essentially uplifting to the black community that it becomes hard you know, mm. to to see that we lost. And, you know, I went to Howard as well. So there's, there's, oh. there's that connection, like Bison, you yeah. know, I lost a fellow Bison, just even revisiting his, just watching his, his commencement speech. There's been snippets circling around that since his passing. It was just like, man, we just, we lost a dynamic brother, man. Yeah, yeah for real, yeah. for real. I'm yeah. so glad he went to an HBCU. I wish that I went yeah. to HBCU. That <laughs> just shows... Just who he is, and we lost a great member of our community, but he didn't, his life 
was so worthwhile and it spoke values of him. So he left a legacy for us to continue on with. And so I'm just so grateful for his life and for all that he's done through his work. Yeah. I think Varley, you make, you make a great point too, because one thing I was thinking about is that the, one of the best ways we could possibly honor him is just to do exactly what he did, which is to give ourselves, give the best of ourselves, even under pain. Like he would want us to persevere and to fight even while we struggle, even while we are experiencing pain and loss and setback. And so that's exactly what his life, that's what characterized his life these last four years. So yes, RIP to our brother in the faith, Chadwick Bozeman. You know, our condolences go out to his family, his wife, his friends, the people that knew him immediately. If we, if we're hurt by it, I can't even imagine what, you know, they're going through. But like you said, Varlene, I, I do think that our mourning definitely needs to transition at some point to celebration because he was, not that we stopped mourning, but we do have to celebrate the fact that, yeah, this was a great man. That in 43 years <laughs> accomplished way more than people will accomplish in <laughs> their entire life. You know what I mean? He had a very strong 43 years, bro. So thankful for him. All right, guys. So, yeah, keep it locked. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to be talking about just Jacob Blake and everything surrounding that tragedy. All right, guys, welcome back to the City Image Podcast. Sorry to continue talking about (laughs) bad news. Uh, it seems to be the theme of 2020, but we also wanted to touch on this very recent episode of police brutality that we saw uh, take place with Jacob Blake. I think everybody has heard by now that Jacob Blake was shot several times as he turned away from police officers to um, go towards his car. And he is now, is he officially paralyzed? Are they saying he's officially going to lose function of his body? I, I think believe. the latest is he's fighting for, he's not just fighting for his life, but he's fighting for the full motion of his legs. That's the latest I heard. Okay. 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 But yeah, the video is out and I haven't watched the video. I just, I can't watch another. I, I To me, I'm just like, man, my mental health is just... Something I need to consider. So I just I read up the stories, I read up the facts behind the stories, but just couldn't bring myself to watch the video. And in the wake of that, there were protests, and an individual by the the name of Kyle Rittenhouse is that his name? Yeah. <laughs> I keep Rittenhouse, seventeen <laughs> year old um, white boy, shot, killed two people who were protesting the police brutality, injured another person. He was, this this individual, Kyle, was an avid Trump supporter. And he himself, he turned himself into the police. He wasn't caught or anything like that. And in the wake of all that, we saw mass protests. We saw major 
company, major sports organizations, NBA, WNBA, MLS, boycott games in the face of police brutality. I think, Brian, you're onto something about taking a pause from not watching, not watching these videos you know, too often. Because essentially what you're watching, I was thinking about this last night, essentially you are watching murder. If you keep watching these videos, you're watching murder in order to be informed. So it's almost like yeah. the next time, if you comment on it, it's like uh, people ask regular people. It could be black, white, Hispanic, whoever. You're saying, you're saying you have to watch these videos to be informed, to be a bit explained the racial dynamic in this country. So it's almost like I feel like you don't want to be watching these videos because it takes a toll on your mental health. But you also have to sacrifice, and I put this in quotation marks, a certain level of ignorance <laughs> because you haven't seen the video. Yeah. But we all know what the story is. You can read the facts and you can see pictures. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good practice of self-care on your part, Brian. Yeah, listen, listen, I sometimes I wrestle with anxiety and fear and I have personal like traumas revolving around like images that have disturbed me, which led to constant anxiety attacks in my past. So I'm always conscious about watching certain things. And obviously, I think what happens is when you when I enter into watching these videos, there's a deep level of empathy as a black man, you see yourself oftentimes in these situations. And so it's, it almost becomes almost like your lived experience. And so it's, I, can't, I just can't keep putting myself in that. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, I don't knock anybody who wants to, because sometimes I think that the videos, they serve a purpose in bringing that level of emotion out for, right. for people when they actually see it. So I'm not knocking anybody that wants to watch it or have found value in watching it. And I do think the world needs to see it because without there being evidence of these things, I don't even know if there would ever be even an issue and be talking about it. So I'm glad the video is there in the sense that it, brings a level of awareness. But for me, I don't need to see that video in order to relate and to emote and to feel something and to feel the need to speak out or do whatever I need to do in order to help to see that this doesn't happen again. Yeah, that's just on that. Yeah, so I feel the same way. I think that I think that I refrained from watching the video because I'm just tired of constantly watching, like Roberta Sim said, murder on camera did see like a, a short clip of it. And I think that I just constantly get upset with the way police authority feel that they can just go off and shoot their guns around other civilians. Mm-hmm. I mean, what it's, it literally is, we have to do what we need to do at all costs of other people. Mm-hmm. You're going after one person. There's four or five of y'all. There's other civilians around the perimeter of the vehicle, and you still decide to shoot seven times? His kids are in the car, by the way. And his kids are in the car? Yeah. Yeah. This is a little ridiculous. Just, it, I think it minimizes and pretty much does not acknowledge the trauma that you're putting not only yourself in, but the people around 
the vicinity of what's happening. There were, I, I saw in the short clip, women screaming. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is just, for me, that's just, I just feel like that's constantly the images that we see. And I can just only imagine how traumatic it is for Black women to constantly see Black men being gunned down right in front of their face while they're screaming and yelling and saying, no, don't shoot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thus, what that does to your psyche over time, watching it, and then I can only just imagine for the females that were there, what happens it's just unimaginable, like, what happens. And over time, it really takes a toll on our bodies, our mental health, our spirituality. And I just love that we have these platforms as our gener- within our generation to be able to actually talk about it and acknowledge it and say, hey, we actually need to take care of ourselves. We actually need to make sure that, hey, if... Your limit, you need to know your limitations and refrain from watching these videos. And you need to just say woosah on the side, like get what you get, get what you need done because it really takes a toll on just the whole person to constantly watch these things and seeing all these traumatic things happen to us time after time after time. Even if he is to be subdued because you have apprehended that he's a criminal. Yeah. I think that there are still other ways that you can do that. And I think LeBron James said the same thing. There was other ways that you could subdue the guy. You didn't need to shoot him seven times in the back. Yeah. Why? And 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 that's the issue. Why did you have to shoot him seven times in the back? And and also, the, the news came out that he, even though he's unconscious, Para, like possibly yeah. fighting for his life. He's yeah. still handcuffed to bed. Yeah. Now, I also worked in, a, obviously, as a nurse, I've worked in all the types of environments where at all costs, these institutions do not care about the internalization of the actions that they, at the actions that they, that they make. They just don't care about it. Yeah. I've seen inmates Dead, un, pretty much dead in the bed, still handcuffed. That's crazy. The they don't do the hand, which everybody thinks that happens. It's not the hand. Usually it's the feet, um, or usually it's the foot, rather, that they put the handcuff on. But still, nevertheless, the person's humanity is not being recognized even in their deathbed. Mommy. That's crazy to me, man. For me, like... It, it, it's it's wild on so many levels, man. And to your point, Marlene, like even if no no one is disputing that a police officer may need to apprehend somebody, may need to cuff somebody. Nobody is saying that this dude Jacob is somehow completely innocent of whatever. We don't know. We don't know whatever situation he was in. Mm-hmm. He's probably guilty. We don't know. The question we're asking is, why is it he has to be shot seven times in the back? When you're a police officer, what is your training such that if someone begins to, let's say theoretically, because there's all this talk, well, he was going into the car and he admitted to having a knife. Okay, someone was saying he's going to check in on his kids or he had a knife. Let's just go with the fact that he had a knife and he was going to pull out the knife. Okay, is your training such that the second he moves over to his car to bend down and pull out a knife? your result is to shoot seven times and, and 
And you, when you shoot yeah. somebody seven times, you're going to kill them. <laughs> you're tr- right, the fact sure. that he's alive right now is a miracle. They yeah. were trying to kill him. They're trying so, to execute him on the spot. Yeah. So up until this latest incident, I thought something it had to do something with training. But then I saw, you can see their videos, right? Their videos of Caucasian males. You can look this up on YouTube. They're holding yeah. a knife. You have 10, 20 cops circling, and they're doing everything they can not to use their firearm. You have a police officer in an SUV trying to, like, gently run him over. You have different people trying to, like, uh, taser him. And he's still with the knife, and it goes on for five, ten minutes. You got Dylan Roof shot up a church, killed nine Mm -hmm. people, and they Mm -hmm. took him to Burger King. And they took him to Burger King. So we keep hearing talk about reform or even, like, uh, yeah, defund training the police or reform yeah, yeah. training or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. And sometimes Jesus said, you shall know a tree by its fruit. Sometimes it's really this simple. People from the day they go to start going to school, they just taught to be <laughs> black people as thugs and criminals. You know, yeah. that's what all the videos show. That's what the fruit shows. 100%, man. Yeah. It, and that's why also I brought up the, the Kyle, the, the 17-year-old shooter. Here we we have a white boy with an actual gun actually shooting people. Right. And we're the police. He's not apprehended. He turns himself in and we're going, are you kidding me? Yeah. You, he gets Wait, Why did he turn himself in? Do we know? Uh, I, I don't know. I just read somewhere that he had eventually just turned. I think he found out that they were looking for him, that there was a okay. warrant out for his arrest yeah. or something like that. And he, he just turned himself in. But imagine being able to just kill and, and go home. Right. <laughs> and, and, and then you have someone like Jacob who, as far as we, tell, we can tell, they didn't approach him because he killed anybody or anything like that. But he gets treated as if he's the one with the gun in his hand killing people. Right. And he was not. You know what I mean? And this is what we talk about. There's this double standard. White boys get to run around with automatics and they seem to be, if they're even arrested, just fine. And us, the second that we're even hinted at committing a crime, we're gunned down. Right. And that is, that's the frustration. That's, that is what's so deeply disturbing and to be honest i've been um really wrestling i don't have the answers to this question yet i'm still thinking this through because there are people with presenting all kinds of solutions to this problem right now mm-hmm. you have people that are saying what you said ropes and hey let's really people saying hey like there needs to be tr- re- redo the training like the training is bad you have people saying look, we need to just defund the police. We have people saying, you need to just get rid of the police altogether. We need to just establish different forms of restorative justice, different ways to kind of, I hate the word, use the word police, but (laughs) different ways to police the society without actually having police out there because we're seeing this happen and happen. And it's, honestly, it's not even just happening to black people. There are white people who are just seemingly getting beaten and, and, and killed recklessly by police. This is like an issue for society. Like, how are we doing in terms of dealing with these instances of subduing a subs, a suspect? But I will say this, as I'm watching these instances happen over and over again, and then um, the sheriff of 
What's the town again? I'm, the town is Kenosha. Mine. Kenosha. There was a, a video released on him where he's basically she was saying crazy stuff like yeah. we need to stop being politically correct. We need to protect ourselves from basically all these criminals. Basically, a whole t- a, a ton of racial racism. It's something sounded like straight out of the 1960s. And so that got me thinking, man, you know what? Like these departments are really corrupt, man. Like mm-hmm. how deep does the corruption go? Yeah. Like how deep does the corruption go? And is it just a matter of we need to train? Because for me, I was thinking like, okay, defunding the police or getting rid of the police, that's too much. But, and I don't, and I'm not saying I fully agree with that as of this moment, but for me, I'm just like, the corruption is run. It's becoming clear to me that the corruption runs deep. And so I don't know if it's just a matter of anymore, like we just need to retrain police. I'm wondering, do we need to just upend the entire system? Obviously, we need to find ways to keep people safe. But I'm just wondering, is this system so embedded with racism, white supremacy? Is it so embedded with just the view that the black body is to be destroyed at the first sight of any resistance that it is actually worth fully changing the system. I, I have to wrestle with that question. I 100% agree. I think that what me- <laughs> So good. So you want to speak for a second while she, uh, or I don't know if you have uh, any thoughts. Uh, are you, okay. Well, yeah. you, you good now? Or? I think I'm good. Hold on. Okay, okay, cool, okay, cool, cool. So I go. think that what we need to do is totally get rid of the whole institution. Period. Really? Period. Okay. Period. <laughs> and the simple, the reason why I feel like that is an unsettling truth. Mark Charles and Asung Chao Ra, who you guys both had the opportunity of having on this podcast, AAA, shout out to mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it talks about the power, the how social construct has so much power on internalization. And so this is the this is, I think this 100 percent is the root of why these institutions need to be rid of. Because no matter what you do, you cannot change that internalization that institution has already constructed within the constitution, within the institution. You get what I'm saying? It's just embedded. It's ingrained. You can't get rid of it. No matter what you do, you can't get rid of it, right? When you see, so oftentimes when you get that one outlier of an employee or someone within the institution that says, hey, we should think differently or we should do something different. Now they're called the whistleblower, now they're fired. So this is the reason why you just gotta get rid of the whole institution and say, we need a whole new body of people with fresh ideas who are not coming with a certain bias. And I think Mm -hmm. that's even harder to, to do 
because even within ourselves, these institutions have taught us about ourselves. So even if you get black folks to be part of the board, they've already have been taught through this social construct about themselves. So it's gonna see through, it's gonna come through. And, and then you so see I, black police officers mistreating black suspects. You know what I'm saying? So because they they become a part of that system of oppression. Even as so I feel like it's just such a complex issue. It's such a complex topic because there's just so there's so many layers to what has happened and what transpired. I mean, 400 years, people really try to act like the past don't affect the present. And yes, it does. We see it happening every day. So we have seen like, because of white supremacy and what it has done to these institutions, even when people have made change and said, now we're going to start these diversity boards, affirmative action, civil rights, all these things, to try to get the new faces of people of color on these boards to or on these in these institutions to make change because of the inter- internalization that these social constructs have done to us we just roll with the mill right we just yeah. roll with the punches we're not trying to cause no smoke and even when we are we do it in such a minimal at a minimal level because we know that they're they're not ready for change so fast. Yeah. And then in and over well, that the nature of change it takes a while. And so I just think that it's so complex, it's so layered that I don't I don't know if that like you said I don't know if there's such an answer. But one of the one of the things that I do think is a start is getting rid of the whole thing. Throw the baby out with the bath. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I feel the thing though is V is saying touches into like Jesus said you can't put old wine into new uh, you can't put new wine into old wine skins right come mm-hmm. on brother come on with it <laughs> <laughs> bring you the know? word brother but uh, but at the same time at the same time like I think uh, Camden New Jersey they completely started the police department over they built it from the ground up and I think in 2016 they did this. And they're having some like moderate success. So you know, they're applying that principle. Thing is, like here in, in our society, it's that transition has to take place over a period of time. So for example, when Jesus came on the scene, he came on the scene and you know, he was talking to him about pretty much like declaring all foods clean and he was with like he was without sin, cast the first stone, all this type of stuff. But he was completely changing things. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so for us now, it's I think de Blasio. For example, he tried to defund the police or whatever. He cut like a, a billion from their budget. And it's, bro, we, we ain't ready for all that right now. This is going to be like a, a, a period of time, you know, that if we're going to change things, if we're going to evolve, if we're going to renew, then it's, it's going to have to take time before, mm-hmm. we, before we get to where we go. We can't just like cut everything right now and rip the tree out from the root. We got to start slowly but surely a little bit. Yeah. And I, look, I wrestle with this issue and maybe we can find some people who have probably thought through this a little bit more to be guests on a podcast. Well, it almost seems like, how much time do we have, man? Like, mm. bodies are just dropping. What can be done now? Yeah, And so for me, I think I hear you, bro. And I think that you make a good point that transition has to happen, but it has to happen wisely 
Um, we can't just simply uproot everything because as of right now, we gotta be we gotta be honest. Like the police are keeping order in the streets most yeah. of the time, mm-hmm. and so to replace them yeah. with something, what would be that thing? Yeah. You know, in the middle of uh, a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know, man. Um, I'm just as someone who just am watching. I think that I'm beginning to really understand from the outside watching in that these issues are deep. And I think my perspective is changing. At once I thought, hey, we could just retool some training. Guys just need to be taught better. But I think that was a foolish position to have because I don't think it takes into consideration how how much white supremacy is really embedded into American society. And I think that one of the ways in which white supremacy has remained covert is through law enforcement and in and is through our legal system. Obviously, we've gone from a place where we had politicians blatantly using the N-word and all the racism that was overt in the 20th century. That's not there anymore. But the ability for white people to maintain power and keep a certain people that they are afraid of subjugated remains in our justice system and it remains in our policing. And white people are so afraid of the crazy, angry black man that they are holding on to their power through keeping the, these quote-unquote savages in check, and that is through police. And we see this all the time. So I follow both liberal outlets and I follow conservative outlets. And whenever there's a Black person that commits a crime, it gets reported on these conservative outlets, conservative media places. And I'm like, why is that? Because they have to continue the image that the black man is savage. He's scary. And so this is why we need the police to do what they do. And so I think before when I was saying, hey, let's just retrain the police, that was not taking into consideration the depth of the problem. And and like I said, I'm still thinking through this issue. I don't come as a professional, but I'm just, the more I see this happening, the more I'm going, I don't know, man. This is a lot deeper than I thought. The sophistication of this oppression is on another level. The invention of racism. The idea that before I can see you like across the street and automatically like I'm programmed to look at you a certain way. But yeah. Yeah. It's sophisticated. It's deeply embedded in our society. And I think that we need to first become aware of how deep it is because I think as human beings, we tend to blind, be blind towards it. And I think we need to become aware of how much certain white individuals are invested in keeping the system the way it is. And a lot of this, man, a lot of the conversation surrounding what if you just simp, if he would have just obeyed what the police officer said, right? Listen, 
we have instances, right? Tamir Rice wasn't doing anything wrong. He got killed. Botham Jean was in his apartment eating ice cream and a white woman police officer entered into his apartment yeah. and, and killed him. Like you, yeah. you, you brought up, Dylan enters into a church with black people worshiping and kill he goes he does bible study with them and then kills them and the fact that when we we try to show white supremacy is an issue in this country and then it continuously gets ignored and then the blame becomes well it's because you weren't doing this this is why you died that just shows how much there's a vested interest in upholding the system and i think we just have to really grapple with that people are really interested in keeping power to themselves because they're afraid of the other. You listen to the Republican National Convention, all Donald Trump said was, if you vote Joe Biden, bad things will happen. Fear. The other will take over. He might as well have said, look, the black, the blacks will take over, the Mexicans will take over, the Muslims will take over, everybody you're afraid of will take over. He might as well have just said it because right. that's what he was alluding to the whole time. And so we have to really come to terms with the fact that there are people who are afraid, like afraid of what will happen if white supremacy dies. Right. And, there's, and they've invested in, in an entire political party and in, in an entire administration and Donald Trump to try to keep it alive. And, and all the talk about black people is your fault. It's a smokescreen. It's a smokescreen. They hated us before there was black on black crime. One no quote unquote gang violence back in the 1600s when you had us yeah. as slaves and you hated us. Uh-huh. And so now you're still hiding behind that. So I don't know. I just went on a little rant. <laughs> Forgive me, but I'm, I'm, it just gets under my skin, man. Man, so in light of everything that's been going on, uh, we thought it would be best to just end this episode with a word of prayer and we invite everybody that is a believer if you're listening to this podcast to just join us in prayer a lot of crazy things happening right now the nation is really broken a lot of people are in mourning and we just really wanted to just seek the lord during this time so varlene i was going to ask if you don't mind just leading us in prayer to close out the episode Sure. All right. So, God, I thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy that you showed through your son, Jesus Christ, who came as a man, emptied out his royalty, emptied out his authority, emptied out everything to become man, to show us how to live and die for us so that we could be back and restored in union with you, God. Father God, in this time of mourning, in this time of grief, Lord, would you just allow us, would you just, you just continue to be our joy, Lord God? Would you just 
Open our hearts and our minds to you, Lord God, so that when we fix our eyes on you, all we see is your glory, Lord God. All we see is your peace. All we see is your kindness. All we see is your goodness because everything around us is going awry, Lord. But yeah. you, Lord God, are the only constant thing that we can fix our eyes on. And yes, Lord. And see grace and see mercy and see love and see justice. Yeah, Lord. And so, Lord, we look unto you, the God of justice, Lord God, the God of mercy, the God of righteousness. You are a good judge. And you, Lord, are the one who will judge at the end of the day. And so, Lord, we just thank you that it's out of our hands. We can talk about it till we're blue in the face, but it is out of our hands, Lord God. It is in your hands and you are in control, Lord God. So we just release everything unto you, Lord God. Yes, Jesus. We weigh down any longer, Lord God. Let us just bear everything at your feet and leave it there. Because to be quite honest, Lord, it ain't good for our mental health. It ain't good for our spirits. It ain't good for our souls. It ain't good for our just whole life. And it's at your feet that we can leave it there. And that is when we are able to live life in you, in joy, Lord God, and in hope. Knowing that your coming is soon. Knowing that your justice will come soon. Knowing that your righteousness will abound, Lord God. And Lord God, let us be part of bringing your kingdom of heaven onto earth and not feeling weighed down, but feeling uplifted by your grace and your mercy and your spirit that gives us the ability to work this out through our lives, God. Would you do that for us? Would we be empowered by your grace to live this life of the gospel incarnationally as your son Jesus Christ did? Would we just be empowered by everything that you did on the cross, Lord Jesus? Your finished work on the cross gives us the power to live a life past white supremacy, to live a life past the the, the death, to live a life past all the chaos that we see and bring your heaven down. So let us not lose our vision. Let us not lose where we fix our eyes, but let us look to you at all times because in you that's where life is in you that's where hope is in you that's where we get everything we need to live this life of the gospel that you've given us through your blood your blood was shed for it and so lord may we honor you with our lives because you died for us lord god and may we just work on forgiving our brothers and sisters Lord God, and would you soften their hearts, Lord God, to listen? Yes, Father. To us, Lord God. And not just passively listen, but actively listen. And would you allow their hearts, Lord God, to be of good soil where they see, Lord God, the 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 sin, would they see the hurt, would they see the pain and be moved by your Holy Spirit, Lord God? to seek repentance, to seek forgiveness at the hands of their brothers and sisters who look different from them. And not feel as though they are inferior, but know that they're working and walking hand in hand with us as equals. Father God, would you do this? This is a mighty work and only you can do it. Not by might, not by power, but 
Only by your spirit, Lord, can this be done. Yes. Father God, I thank you, Lord God, that you are God and you are God alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, thank you for that, Farlene. Um, again, thank you guys for listening. This is Bryant, uh, the theological giant, uh, signing off. This is. This is Varlene the Waffle and Barry. And this is Robe, aka Do or Do Not. There is no try. All right. All thank right, you guys uh, for listening. Rope, thank you for being here, brother. Thank you for your insights. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, we will see you in the next episode. Signing out. Peace. Bye. Later. City Image.